Today on the show, we're talking about the cost of hobbies. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, and welcome to today's episode. So we have another review, um, kind of... Kind of addressing the type of information we we like to convey on this show, so I think it's important to kind of reiterate why we're here and, and what we hope to achieve every week with this podcast. Well, well, let's just just say the review was a one star review, and and it was it was pretty harsh on on our content. But at, but at the same time, completely respectable. We we appreciate each and every review the same way. But I, I think it's I think it's important to to understand why we're here. So before, when we started this podcast, I toyed with the idea of calling it Simple Life Solutions, but I, I'm so passionate about the, the, the money side of life that, that I, we kind of went in that direction. But we're not offering financial investing advice. We've never pretended to. I mean, your, your lifestyle and your behavior in life it, will impact your finances just as much as investing in, in generating sources of income will as well. And that's the part of, of personal finance that we're trying to talk about and, and, and create a following on. And the thing about behavior, it's more of, you can't kind of put any numbers around. It's more of something that you feel inside, intrinsic feeling. And that, I think, is what we're trying to tap into. Yeah, that, I would agree with that. And I, I just think, you know, maybe, maybe our title is misleading. I'd love to hear from listeners if they think Simple Money Solutions, when you first found us, was that title misleading or, or did you get what you thought you were going to get? No, that's a, that's a valid question for our listeners. So on that note, I before we even get into the show and hobbies today, because we're really excited about the content we're bringing forward to you today, we are first going to address two listener uh, comments, I guess, from our last episode on renting. So the first listener uh, write-in about renting is from one listener. And Trevor, do you want to kind of go over um, what she said in kind of your, uh, kind of our response to that? So it was a very lengthy email, very well thought out. Uh, she's she feels very strongly about home ownership, and and I guess conversely, she's against renting. And uh, she provided a lot of background information, a lot of calculations and numbers, which I greatly appreciate the effort that went into that email. Uh, I think her, her situation is pretty unique. So she lives in a fairly low cost region of the country, which makes home ownership maybe makes more sense than renting because of that. Uh, the couple is semi-retired, so uh, being the proximity to uh, a lot of jobs is not near as important. And the, the house they bought is is very small. She said it's even it's on a lake, so she's calling it a cottage. So it's kind of a dual-purpose vacation property. And so I think that's a pretty unique situation. The average Canadian that that's not their housing need. So. If I was in her situation, I would in favor of owning that in the scenario she's in. Uh, but I'll make a comment about her calculations. The one thing missing from all her numbers is the opportunity cost of the money she has invested in real estate. And, and a lot of people, you know, they completely discount that. And back to our, you know, the person that trashed us on iTunes, I'm, I'm not an investor, but the opportunity cost is, you know, what, what's the next best alternative you could do with that money you have invested in real estate? Could you get a better return somewhere else in an, in, 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 in the stock market, in an index fund or something like that and get a better return and use the returns from that money to subsidize your rent? So uh, missing from the calculation, I think, was, was that perspective. So uh, when you have the blinders on and home ownership is the only solution, a lot of times those people, I say those people, people in the general, 
miss the the idea or the concept of opportunity cost. But all in all, given her situation, I think home ownership makes a lot of sense. So thank you so much for that email. It was, it, Trevor, it was so completely detailed. I mean, Mike, you looked at it too. It was incredibly, incredibly written, incredibly thought out. So thank you for that. Um, the next listener email is from Bob. And Bob has another kind of similar outline. Trevor, do you want me to read it or do you kind of just want to summarize it for our listeners? Well, I'll just summarize it. So he kind of makes three, he, he hits on three points that we talked about in the Making a Case for Renting episode. And one is the concept of when you're, when you're buying a house, you're actually renting money to buy it. So in essence, you are renting. And he sort of agrees with our perspective on that. The one thing I would add to that, and I've said this on the podcast, is when you own a home, so just say you're paying a mortgage, so you're renting money to buy that house. You're also renting services from the town or city you live in, like road access, uh, garbage pickup. You're, you're paying rent in the form of property tax. You're also paying rent for uh, utilities like hydro, gas, and water. You're, you're renting those services from the town. And without, without renting any of those services, your, your home is completely useless. So you're never free from rent. And I think that's an important, important thing to note is we're all renters at some level. And his, uh, his next comment was, as a landlord, you would charge rent to cover a lot of the home, home ownership costs like property tax, appliances, maintenance and repairs. You would build that into the cost, the, the amount of rent you're charging your tenants. And I'm, and he says, and if you're highly leveraged, you, you know your your rent would reflect would reflect that increased cost. And I'm going to disagree with that point. I'm going to say that the rental, the, the the economic conditions in the town that you're a landlord, so whatever the market price for rent is, that's all you're going to be able to charge, regardless of what it costs you to own the property. So there is, the market will dictate how much you can charge for rent, not your your highly leveraged rental property requiring you to charge more rent to cover your costs. So I would disagree with that. that. And then he mentions he, he knows a couple that sold their house, used the proceeds from the sale of their home to subsidize or, or you know, put it into investment to pay their rent. Like I mentioned, opportunity costs. And and I would agree with that, that that if if you've reached an age where maybe you can't look after a home physically, you you're, and renting makes more sense, you could take the proceeds from your home Put it into an investment and use the proceeds from you know the the income that investments generates to help pay for your rent. So it was a well thought out uh, email or, or comment he sent us, and I, I appreciate the feedback. So thank you so much to our first listener and also Bob for their emails. We we love receiving them. And we, we love that you're kind of engaging with our episodes and really and our content's resonating with you. <laughs> All right. So to kind of lead off this conversation, hobbies we've got past our reviews and it's time to talk about today's episode. So. I think the good kind of starting place is is realizing that that hobbies are a big consumption of our money and and can we even avoid hobbies as an effort to save money? You know, I've had hobbies over the course of I don't know hobbies come and go. I don't know about you guys. To like, I I think I've caught myself in a trap of spending too much money on hobbies and saying, you know what, I can't afford hobbies. I, I don't know if you guys if you guys are kind of young. I don't know if you've been there in that situation. I, I know I for me, I'm pretty dialed into a couple hobbies, but I, I think I, I have in the past like dabbled in a bunch, but I know that's when I was a but, kid. But, so I don't know, Trevor, maybe you're still in your kid phase. <laughs> no, no, no. They still qualify. I, I think you're, still, you're trying, but, trying but to Mike, pick the would, right hobby. Would, would, would your lives be kind of less 
last would, would something be missing if you kind of got rid of your hobbies though i mean mike what are what hobbies are you into and, and if you got rid of those hobbies would it really diminish how much you enjoy life uh so my big hobbies the the big one is i, I enjoy woodworking i um i do hand tool woodworking so that's my main one and i, I also do some camping and uh out backcountry camping canoeing and backpacking and if i didn't have those yeah like it would just it, I, I don't know i wouldn't be as happy just um uh, like it would just be work just come home like you know go to work come home eat go to sleep work like it would just be a, a repeat and just get really boring and then you know both of both of those hobbies you mentioned they're um they're a lot of cash outlay at the beginning correct me if i'm wrong and, and then the cost of of sustaining the hobby or continuing with it is very low cost would you agree i would agree like no? in woodworking there's a tendency to want to save your tools and make them last like old tools are good tools is like a common saying in woodworking so i i would think yeah but like even at that like i think you you can get in with very minimal like like hand tool woodworking which i do is very cheap compared to power tools so like i think you have an ability to control the price of your but even with your, your uh, canoeing and backpacking, once you've got the equipment, the, the cost of going out and doing your hobby is, is very low. Yeah, it is. So, the, so there's, a huge, there's a huge barrier to entry into those interests. Like even uh, hand tool woodworking, I know we had Ron Kennedy on the show a couple of weeks ago and we talked about Lee Valley and the, the cost of those tools. And I know a lot of your tools come from Lee Valley. So the, the, the cost of getting into it... And but isn't that the way with, with any, any hobby? Any hobby, like... Like, um, well, you take, okay, maybe you're right. Like, as I say, bicycling, yeah. uh, it, you, you could get into bicycling with a, a pretty low end bike and, and then it, it costs nothing to do when, once you have the bike. But you're, you're I, still I think putting money if you're into picking, that. Like, I think any hobby, there's money much, you got to put into it. But if you can minimize the upfront money, like if you want to get in photography, uh, okay, that's a bad example because cameras are getting cheaper and cheaper, but um no but but high about high-end photography you're kind of always adding you can always add another lens you can always add another piece of equipment you can always add a slide you can always add yeah. anything so, so is it better the to, cost to uh, put it all up front or is it better to like slowly over time build up that like uh well i i'm kind of making a distinction so hobbies there's hobbies that cost money every time you do it you know there's a participation cost that that's always there like golf every time you go golfing it costs a lot of money to play around a golf uh, so the the participation cost is is a, is a deterrent for some people, right? They they can't afford to do it on regular basis. Whereas uh, woodworking or or backpacking, it's free. You you can literally do it for nothing. Like so, the participation cost is almost zero. So I, I'm I'm saying, what do you guys think? Is what's what's a better hobby? One that has a a a small cash outlay to get into it, but a constant participation cost, or one that has a huge or significant uh, entry cost and then the participation cost is almost zero. I, I, personally, I like the hobbies that are uh, like it's short like at first. Like I, I think that's the easier one. I, I think it's it's easier to track because you can start losing track of your expenses with those like golf. Like like if you you start losing track of you're going 20 times a season like that starts adding up and you're not realizing that. But then oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to say the other one where I think it's better to kind of have a participation cost every time because that way if you invest thousands of dollars into something at the beginning or hundreds of thousands of dollars at the beginning and then you end up not using losing it, interest losing interest well, that is wasted money. That's a good point actually. 
and I, uh, that's happened to me. <laughs> Actually, if I, if I were to get my wife in there, she, she could list all the times now, that happened what, to me. What about the thing, <laughs> I, I'm just going to throw this out here. I'm not saying I agree with it. But what about the thing that um, if you spend that money up front, it's going to make you want to keep at that hobby. Like you don't want to just waste that money. Like you're, it's going to make good you one, try A good on. one is gym memberships. And I've said yeah, this on the yeah. show before. I purchased a gym membership for eight months because I was I was like, I, I know I'm going to stick with this. This is something I'm very in, like 120% into. And I have not gone to the gym since I want to say December. So yeah, I don't, I, I agree with you, Mike. I, I If you put the money in, it kind of, it, it, it forces you, forces your hand that you have to, you, you have to, you know, push through the, the difficult part and maybe stick with it. But yeah, at, at the expense of unhappiness, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because like Courtney's thing, I agree with you. Like the, the gym membership, if you start doing that right away and you don't like it, well, you're saying, oh, I, I got to keep going in the gym. I got an eight month membership and you you might hate it. Like you might, there might be, you might rather go biking. And can you guys think of any hobbies? I, I'm struggling to think of ones that has has a very low cost barrier to entry. And, Running. But a, a, a high, pers- no, but a high participation cost. Oh, high participation cost. So the, the gym is one, right? So there's no, it's just, it's, it's a hundred percent participation cost. There's no, uh, a cost to entry. Can, can, I, I'm, I, I'm trying to think of some that. I think everyone's um, going to have initial cost. Like it's just, just a matter of how much. Yeah. How much. There, yeah. No, it'd be more like activities where I'm thinking, I'm thinking things like, um, kind of activities where you go and you rent all the equipment there. So if it, like I'm thinking of skiing, if you if you do downhill skiing, but you that's rent true, everything yeah. when you go there. So I think that's better. I mean, because I've done that, that before, true. where I've rented all my equipment and then I could test it to see if like, I liked it. That's like actually, I like that because that's that's a way where you don't have to sink the money up front. And if you, but but the participation cost when you have to rent the equipment is very high. Then right? Yes. And and then plus if you maybe don't have and then and then if you don't purchase the equipment, you might have a lot of. Because you're still not sure about it, but you kind of keep trying and trying and just, just to see, just to make sure that's a lot of participation cost you're adding up. It is, yeah. So I, I want to move on to kind of asking you guys personally. So my second question for you guys is, have you ever spent too much on a hobby slash looking back in hindsight, when when do you know that you have spent enough and you should just stop? Yeah, I, I, you know, I know when I've spent too much and you guys may have been here is, is when you, your mind shifts into justification mode. You know, you're, you're trying to, you know, justify this particular, you know, tool or this particular piece of equipment. You first, you're internally trying to justify it in your mind. And then you're trying to justify it to people around you. You know, I know this looks crazy, but <laughs> you know, I had to do it because, and I find if you, every time I find myself in justification mode, I know I've crossed the line. No, that's it. That's a good way to look at it. It's, it's because you don't think you don't think you should have it. And it takes a pretty big person to realize that you you've done that. Like you, you need to be humble, right? You 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 because you, you can fool your, you can convince yourself of a whole bunch of things in your own mind, right? But I've been there and done it. And and I when, once I hear the words coming out of my mouth, I go, oh boy. So so <laughs> Trevor, what's what's something that you have overspent on it and kind of wish you hadn't? Well, like Mike, I'm into I'm into uh, furniture making, woodworking, but with power tools. And you can lose your mind with power tools. I mean, uh, the marketing on that is you're you're saying I can't believe I don't own that tool yet. <laughs> you know what's wrong with me? Uh, how have I got this far in, in woodworking and I haven't even bought one of those? So, uh, 
And then I find myself around the dinner table telling my wife, you know, why this was so important. Justification mode, right? So, what about you, Mike? Is there any, anything kind of you looked, have looked back on it and uh, wish maybe I wanna, didn't buy? I want to go back to that thing. Is uh, it, do you do you ever think that like when you're trying to justify it once you've bought it, like the whole less is more? Like I think that's a uh, a big thing is like to be able to say that's enough is usually less is more. Like I mean, it's it's hard to define where the less is, but like I think I don't know what's your well, that's your that's your minimalist uh, nature coming in, right? That you just think that way without without even trying. But there there are other people who who they don't they never come at some something from a minimalist perspective. Although they should, I'm not I'm not condemning that. But for you, you don't even have to work at it. You just you just think that way. Like you see the world from a different lens than say I do. Which I wish I were a minimalist. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm envious. But but I I challenge to see the world from that perspective. So I'm assuming, Mike, you've never <laughs> fallen into that trap just from your middle. Yeah, I, I, like well, I I know with uh, well, actually, I don't know. I I got this little thing with backpacks, so I got a about more <laughs> backpacks for camping than I have backs to carry them on. So maybe, maybe that's the one fault I've had. But for the most part, I yeah, no, I, I try to keep. I I try to slowly acquire so that I I can track kind of is this something I really need. So so let me ask you about the backpacks. Is it is it that you you didn't feel you needed another backpack to do your hobby. It's just, you found a better backpack solution. Actually, that's true. That's true. Cause like I bought, like I, I didn't buy them all at the same time. I bought them many years apart and it was the, the one, the next one was going to serve a better need for me at that time. And even now I have all, like I have the three backpacks and they're all going to serve me a different purpose. Uh, so, so I think that that's a different uh, problem or not. I call it a problem, a different scenario than, than needing one more tool if have uh, so you bought a backpack and a thing with a backpack it, i've done it too is until you're on the trail and and and, took, and and used it you know three or four times will you will not be able to see its its flaws right or what it's lacking until you've actually used it so it's one of those there's probably a lot of hobbies where until you actually use it it's it's hard to see if it's going to meet your need so i i want to kind of move forward and get into um talking about something that trevor lives by when it comes to hobbies trevor do you want to do you want to let our listeners in on your mantra for hobbies yeah so i i i haven't always practiced this but every time i do uh, approach a hobby or interest this way i tend to enjoy it more and that is to take your hobby 10 feet deep instead of 10 feet wide And, and that means take a hobby like mike's instance he so he's into uh woodworking furniture making but he's doing it with hand tools. So he's taken a hobby that's pretty broad and, and narrowed its focus down to just the hand tool aspect. And he's just gone. And and Mike, you you can tell me about this, but the the skill, the develop the development of skills to to enjoy a, a hand tool woodworking hobby is very vast and very specialized. Would you? Oh, hundred percent. Like, uh. It takes a, like a, I think it takes a lot of time to to pick up the the skills and and you can spend a lot of time um, like like watching like videos reading about stuff to specifically get those skills and it's a like you said it's a very narrow set of skills there's a lot I woodworking I can't do but I had a very specific set of skills like anybody can shove a piece of wood through a table saw or a Actually, power Actually, don't pointer. recommend that. Uh, don't, don't anybody that <laughs> can end poorly. There's lots of videos of that as well. 
And your only goal is to not lose any digits, like any fingers. Yeah. Right? That, that's that's your, your goal in life. But it takes a pretty unique skill to, to I'm going to, again, I don't do this, but to saw a board straight or, or hand plane something perfectly level. That, that, that's a pretty unique skill set, right? That, and then, and then when, when you've acquired those skills, you're, you're, you're a pretty unique person. You've, you've not just got a hobby. You've, you've actually got an, almost an art form. Oh yeah, definitely. I, uh, I, I know I have a tendency to look when I'm woodworking as, as it not like a, I'm just building something utilitarian. I tend to look at it as I am building a piece of artwork and I sometimes feel like an artist almost. So by, by taking, so how, how would you, would woodworking look in your world or furniture making if it were 10 feet wide? Like, I don't even know if you can look at it that way because you, you've just taken such a, a narrow scope and gone so deep in it. Do you think you would enjoy it as much if you were, so here's another aspect. Okay, of I, I, you, I see, I see what you're asking. So for example, the reason I am not as big a fan of power tool woodworking is um, there's a lot of jigs involved. There's a jig for everything. Like to, to make a certain cut, there's a jig to to do something else, you know, you need a jig. And I, I didn't like that there's too much making jigs. So that's why I, I decided instead of going 10 feet wide, let's go 10 feet deep. So so to me, I by going 10 feet deep, I was able to just focus on what I wanted to focus on. So here, here's another so aspect of, of the hobby that you could go 10 feet deep on as opposed to 10 feet wide is just say you, were, you made uh, every kind of furniture going, you know, you made cabinets, chairs, tables, that's 10 feet wide. If you were to go ten feet deep on the type of things you made, like you might just be a chair maker. Would you agree? Like yeah, that's, like for, that's for another. Me, I, I focus on a specific style of woodworking, so that allows me to go ten feet deep. Like I'm not doing every style of uh, furniture. So, so what style? Do uh, you, just an example. Well, I, I for any listeners who woodwork, because this is kind of specific, arts and craft style in uh, shaker style furniture. It's two styles that are very similar. So it's from a from a particular yeah, from, era. yeah from a particular area. So then I mean, there's other styles that I I don't even get into because I just I'm not interested in them. So you you just immerse yourself in the history and the construction of that type. Yeah, of Yeah, I understand it the best. I understand the style, like the the way all the pieces, like the angles and whatnot, and the the dimensions and yeah. So you uh, you would say ten feet deep has been hugely gratifying, and, and ten feet wide would have been just a train wreck in, in, for you. It's hard to imagine because oh, you never went down that no, road. I, I think I think I started off because my father, he, he introduced me into woodworking and he also uh, uses power tools. And I started with that and I think I, I was going down that path. But then I just had, I, I was I was moving to another city where I wasn't going to be around him. So I, I kind of had to pick, okay, I, I can't afford all these power tools. So let's find a cheaper option. And it was hand tool woodworking and it turns out it was awesome. And so another... Uh, a lot of people don't consider reading a hobby. Would you guys call reading a hobby? Oh, definitely. I'd consider it. Uh, I would no. Um, I, I kind of consider that like in the the realm of like Netflix. It, to me, it's entertainment. It's it's not a hobby, at least for me. Like I, I think for someone, it could be. But yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I agree with that. You know what? That that that's. I never sort of spun it that way. But no, but there I, I, wanna, I think it is a hobby because a lot of people aren't. It, a lot of individuals don't say, like to read. I'm with Mike. I'm going to say it can so, be a hobby for some why people. You, so Court, just, why do you say it, it's a, it's a I, hobby? Because a lot of people do take it at a 10 feet deep approach and also a 10 feet wide approach. I think and if an activity being taken in that in that sense, it can it's deemed a hobby if by Trevor's definition. I, I would agree with you. And I was going to say, so some people read like uh, to get information, right? They just need information about a particular topic. That's not a, I'm going to say that's not a hobby. That's supporting a hobby. 
right? That the information you need to support, uh, say you want furniture making, you want to read about shaker furniture, you would get a book on it and read it. So that that reading is supporting your furniture making hobby. But some people are into like classic literature, like Jane Austen, you know, so there's one where you read every book Jane Austen ever read. You go to Jane Austen book clubs. Well, like, like I think just doing book clubs and stuff like that, I think that allows you to go 10 feet deep. Like, like you don't need any specific type of books you're reading. I think you can just go 10 feet deep just going to book clubs and doing stuff like that. Yeah, no, I would agree. So so reading actually is one of those hobbies where it, the, the cost, the barrier to entry is zero because you can get books from the library. The, the participation cost is zero because you can read. All you need is, is light. Daylight would, would do it. Electricity is most people have access to. So there's a hobby and it's extremely uh, engaging and in. But doesn't it cost to go to book clubs and stuff? Like, isn't that there somewhat of a cost there? Well, my my local library does book clubs and they're free. So, it's, or or if it, if it like kind of it's a neighborhood thing, or if it's a friends, a bunch of friends are reading a book together. Or some some book clubs meet up at coffee shops, which of course you'd have to buy a coffee. But I mean, not being too cheap here, but it, it's so that yeah, people do it at other people. But if you do it at someone's house, you actually end up having to host it yourself as well. So there's a cost at some point. So I want to move on because we are, we, 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 Trevor, you did bring up another kind of example of a hobby and we are talking about kind of what classifies as a hobby. So I want to talk about the kind of things, what, what counts as a hobby, just so our listeners can kind of think about their hobbies in their heads. So I've kind of broken it down into three types of hobbies. So three, so I, and we're, we're going to talk about these and maybe I'm missing some of my list, but one is to make money. The second one is to improve your health. And three is to stimulate your mind. So to go to the first one of, of making money, Trevor, you have in the past said that as soon as you take something that you kind of enjoy doing and attach attach an ability to make fun, money from that, you kind of take away the value that that activity adds to your life. You know, oddly enough, I do say that a lot, but I, I've, I've actually never actually successfully made money off of a hobby. So I, I've, I've never actually, and maybe it's because I just don't think that way. Maybe you need to be entrepreneurial to to get there but I've never actually uh, either felt the need or felt anybody would actually give me money for something I've created or but or participate hobbies in. like aren't hobbies supposed to be like the the sole purpose is to entertain yourself so like if you're if you're making money off your hobby are, are you is it not just a job at that point like like yeah I would agree it, it, it becomes a, a part-time job or a, a, a an occasional job if you're actually getting paid for it it it, it, for me, it would, probably the reason I've ever done it is it would it tend it would tend to suck the fun out of it. No, I'd have to agree with that. And and Mike, I want to go back to what you just said to entertain. I think that point should be maybe the new number one point on our list of kind of types of hobbies. I think to to your point, entertainment is is a kind of a big piece of why we why we are driven to do the hobbies that we do. So Netflix can go under there, reading can go under there. Some of the more mundane, quote unquote, everyday activities that we engage in. Like, you know, if somebody come to me and ask for advice, you know, do you think this is a good hobby? My first question would be, do you think it's going to be fun? So I would agree with Mike. I mean, that that's the first criteria. Will you enjoy it? Is it is it going to be entertaining, fun? You know, those kind of words that I, w- I would look for in, in someone describing that hobby to me. So you guys are saying that that making money off your hobby is, is not always necessary or even required. I, I think it's a, it's a, it, it, it means it's not a hobby anymore. In my opinion. Okay. Okay. So let's move to number two. Then number two is improve your health, and I think is this. 
is this required of hobbies or something that's an added benefit? Well, it's definitely not. I don't think it's required because reading a book is never going to improve your your physical health. So it's, I, I think, I think you should at least have one hobby in your life that improves your health for sure. And it could be walking. I mean, it sounds, is that a hobby? I don't know, but uh, some sort of sport, cycling, running, going to the gym. You got to have something in your life that, that uh, I, I don't know. Do you guys have hobbies that improve your health? I like to run. I, and then I like to go on hikes. I think that counts as uh, in walks. Yeah, na- nature, I uh, like trail hiking. That that definitely would be uh, a, a hobby in my mind. Or bird watching. I mean, some people do that. They, anything that gets you out mobile is obviously going to improve your health. So You cross-country ski, I, right, I Trevor? That's, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. So I think everyone should have a hobby that improves their health for sure. So, and the number three is stimulate your mind. So, and, and Trevor, to go back to your last one, I think... I think there, when we talk about improving your health, I think we could talk also about mental, emotional, psychological, not just physical health as well. There's a lot that comes into our mind. So stimulate your mind, I think, kind of ties into the more emotional, mental, psychological aspects as well. Well, I hate to keep going back to woodworking, but that's Mike's yeah, hobby. This but is that, not, we need to warn that, our listeners, this is not a woodworking show. It, no, <laughs> but is is that is that hobby mind-stimulating? And if it is, what, what oh, makes it, it? It definitely is. Like, um every everything you're doing like you're you're constantly calculating stuff you're constantly measuring you're you're trying to figure out how am i going to like build this like how, how what kind of joiner am i going to use like how am i going to go about actually making the joiner like there's a lot a lot of things to think about so i i once heard a, an expression that life is 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 nothing more than solving a series of problems so then the key is to to find problems that you enjoy solving so you obviously enjoy solving the problems of, of making furniture, but I think if you're going to have a hobby that stimulates your mind, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be problem solving that's stimulating. Would you agree? Is that? Yeah, I agree. Like I, I think I think you look at a lot of like I mean you even I think any hobby it like a good hobby it's going to have problem solving in it. Like, like I'm just thinking like golfing. So like, like like how how are you going to get your your ball from the tee to the hole? That's there's a lot of problem solving in that. A lot of angles. And stuff like like so you just have to make sure you like the, the, the problems the, you're solving the problems yeah. that you're gonna solve but how do you know like how are you gonna know before you lay out all the money for golf clubs or tools that you enjoy solving those problems that, that i think is the mystery for a lot of people because like what about um uh like like producing this podcast is it literally it, it is solving a bunch of problems in technical problems people problems we're kind of doing that here and i and absolutely love it I think, do you think you could take one hobby and, and, trans, and transfer those problem solvings to another hobby? Um, like, so, so you're saying like, take the, like, so the, the problem solving skills you get from this hobby, take it to your other hobby. Like what's one of your hobbies, Trevor? Like one of your main hobbies? Well, no, like, like, no, but would that help me determine another hobby that I might enjoy? Oh, okay, I, I, I like, see, I see what you're I, saying. Well, I, what, I think, what is another hobby you do? You, like what's another hobby you enjoy? Like let's, let's compare the um, two and see if there's, there's things that are similar i'm kind of in between okay. hobbies at what, the moment. what one are you in between <laughs> let's let's run with one here I, I i've kind of focused on podcasting more than anything at okay, the moment. okay so uh you know you know one problem that i don't like i don't some people love home renovations and home renovations is really it's a, solving a lot of problems and i hate those problems like so i wonder if you learn more from 
things, the problems you you don't like solving than the problems you do like solving. That's true, actually. I, I think because those ones stand out more. But I, I think I think the key yeah. is like is like even with like work and stuff is finding problems that you enjoy solving. And I th- I think people like tend to focus on what they don't like more than what they do like. So like like if you find out what you like in solving the problems, I think I, I agree it's easier to transfer. So like and but I, but, but but it's hard to 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 identify problems you like solving right because a lot of times they don't appear as problems because you're, you're oh, you quickly solve them so maybe you should focus on the ones you don't well, like solving and, and try let, to avoid let's use those. this podcast as an example like what what are the problems that like we're solving on this minus the obvious ones of like the names of the topics or i i love editing audio and unfortunately with you two i there's a lot of editing <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> so uh, your next I, hobby I, I love, is youtube <laughs> <laughs> no i i love uh, the the technical aspect of, of uh, but Trevor, I think I, the word problem is a little is a little misleading in this situation. I think it should be called a challenge. I think everything it's more of a kind of a positive positive connotation. A challenge problem. I think it's kind of all the same. But if you, I, my my question is, are you better to focus, you know, to 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 know the problems you don't like solving and try to avoid that because that's kind of a negative way of looking at life, or are you or should you focus on you know what do I like about these problems and, and, and try to dial yourself in more, more into those. But like, so, so go back to like the home renovations. Like you, you said you, you, you don't like home renovations. So I, I don't think it's the fact that you're actually like, you don't, it's not, it's not the fact of using a hammer and nails you don't like. It's the fact that you, you don't like fixing things that are broken. Like that, like I'm, I'm assuming like the deeper thing well, is fixing things that are broken is, like I, I don't like trying to to solve the puzzle of, you know, this is broken. How am I going to yeah, fix it? You know, what are all the what are the little steps required that that you have to go through to get to the yeah, end? Yeah, so you don't like fixing broken things. So then I'm I'm thinking with like, like so I I, I think that would be like you, then you have to take a list of everything. Like, I feel like it would be easier to say well with with editing audio you you like. Uh, refining things and making it to the best it can be like you like taking things and improving on it so like yeah, so i guess could, like could be one and then way. i feel like it's easier to find things like that like rather than starting with something yeah, broken, yeah but i'm kind of starting with a raw material and just yeah refining. And I, I think the reason why people are always like quick to say well I, I i don't like this is because uh it's it's easy to figure out kind of the the fundamental reason behind but like i think you had to dig deeper like it, well what is it about audio you like yeah no i'd agree with that i you know, one thing I, I've fallen in the trap, of, and maybe you guys fall in this trap, is I often like the end result of something, but I don't like the problems that have to be solved to get there. But I really like the end result. And so I like the end result of home improvements. I really do. You know, it's, it find, you're hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't, but I don't like the steps to get there. But then... No, I, I'd have to agree with, with that. with podcasting, you like the steps in between to get to the end process. So I do. I, I think, do, I think yes. it's like that same thing. There's certain problems you like to solve. Yeah, I like the end product and I like all the steps yeah. that get whereas, me whereas for so, me, I, I like, like for that home improvement, home renovation, it, it's a lot like woodworking. I do like the steps in between. Whereas I, for editing a podcast, forget about it. Like I, I'm not going to do that. By the way, I don't edit see, this podcast. <laughs> So wow, yeah, that's interesting. That um, so it's something to think about. Anyway, I don't know that we're going to resolve anything, but you know, Courtney, come up with that list. So one was make money, two improve your health, and three stimulate your mind. Plus, I think number w- or entertain. No, I think number one should be entertain. 
Definitely. I agree so, with that. And, and make money comes off that list completely. Oh, yeah. It, like, I agree Mike, with that. like Mike so said, it's the, a job then. It's not a hobby. Is there the golden trio? Like where all three of these can be satisfied? Well, maybe here's should should you have should a hobby have elements of all three to be really a hobby you can go ten feet deep on? Do all three have to be present? I, I, I would say two. yes. I think two have to be satisfied. Actually, you're right. Improve your health. <laughs> I that, yeah. that, that's that you're but right. Like like two if you were going three. running, well, so it was stimulate your mind, your health, entertain. And entertain. So yeah, like I, I think if you were running, I think you're mainly uh, like you're you're mainly it's health and. Um, entertaining yourself you can be listening yeah you can listen to music or podcasts and entertain yourself while you're running so you co- you can quite often entertain yourself while you're improving your health like but running also stimulates your mind because you're constantly kind of pushing yourself to to keep Men- going mental tough yeah mental toughness yeah so, so yeah, i guess it's a golden trio but then i would say one like woodworking or podcasting you, you're definitely not getting that much physically out of it no uh you're probably better than sitting on the couch with most hobbies but you you yeah, I would agree. You're we're not running on treadmills. We're recording. Yeah, this. yeah. My health is not getting any better at the moment. We're so, sitting yeah, in comfy you're, chairs. You're right. Okay, then maybe you should have hobbies that incorporate all three of these, and, and get as many hobbies as you need to make sure you hit on at least you you hit all three of these. Yeah, I, I have agree a, with a, a, a well-rounded life. So let's uh so we've kind of like went through our three types of hobbies let's move on to types of spending on hobbies because i think that's a big part and of course where the money aspect comes into this episode so there's three kind of main types of spending on hobbies that that i've kind of got to here and i want to talk to you guys about these so number one is so equipment is a, a, a type of spending on hobby number two is participation expenses and three travel related so trevor we've kind of in mike we've already kind of talked about how participation expenses come in and, and we've talked about equipment too but it, it, w- which one of these do you think i know we kind of already did but with if we include travel too what one of these expenses are do you guys think at the end of the day the most significant well i think the most significant one in my experience has always been equipment and, and it, it might be that i'm not a minimalist and i and i lose my mind sometimes on a hobby and, and i'll i'll say i can't enjoy this hobby unless i have the right equipment which I think is a, is a false claim. Like I, and I've in error, I can't, I can't count the times where I've thought equipment was, was stopping me from enjoying the hobby. And then once I get that equipment, I realize, okay, it wasn't. But out of all three of those, I think equipment's the only one you need to be able to actually do the hobby. Like the other two, I think you can, can, you can avoid. Well, like golf is, none of us are golfers. I keep going back to golf, but you, you can't golf unless you pay the green fees to go on a golf course. So that the participation costs, or say you're a swimmer and you don't have a pool in your backyard. You can't swim unless you go to a pool, you pay the money or you're another one is squash or racquetball. Like you can't generally, you can't play those unless you have a membership at a, at a club. So the participation costs are, or like you like playing, I know you play hockey, Mike. So you can't play hockey unless you you've paid some sort of fee to somebody. But I th- I think as like the as the participation cost goes down or sorry goes up your your equipment costs tend to go down. So but like but I I, I so I guess you, you are right. You do need the participation cost at least. But I think you should be willing to spend on participation costs more than on equipment. It, it, my my personal experience is every time I've thought equipment was the problem, it 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 turned out it never was the the. It turned out I didn't like solving the problems of that hobby. I, I've never had a problem with participation costs, meaning 
you know what? Maybe I have. I, I'm reluctant. I, I played squash for a while, and I found the the cost of playing squash, like the participation cost in that for to join that club and pay those fees, it really bothered me, and I I, I had trouble justifying those participation costs. So I ended up quitting squash. I think you can reduce participation costs in a lot of cases where instead of joining a league, you just play with a friend or whatever. Or yeah, there there's still a cost to play at wherever they have squash courts. So it. It, it was just I, the cost bothered me and I, I, I kept, you know, doing the math, breaking it down as how much it was cost me per game. And maybe I'm cheap. I, I don't know. But I, I had no problem buying the racket and the balls. In fact, I, I bought a really nice racket and and but the, the participation cost bothered me. And, and so I guess if I had any advice for somebody, I'd say, don't worry about the equipment, you know, just pay your participation cost. You'll enjoy the hobby. Because like there, one of our iTunes uh, iTunes reviews about a kind of the societal a societal norm around well, what you need to do something and, and also the marketing too. A lot of a lot of the uh, stores and companies our marketing is targeted towards are the hobbies. I mean, you've got all the sports, you have all the um, even the artistic hobbies. A lot of those are marketed that you, that you don't quite have enough to fulfill your your needs. Yeah, they definitely push the the equipment on you. I mean, even where I played squash, they they would um they sell rackets there and only high end rackets, so it would make the racket you're holding seem inadequate, right? And and everyone else fell victim to that. So when you're losing a squash game and the guy you're playing has a really nice racket, you're thinking, okay, that's why I'm losing. It's that racket, you know, not not my skills. No, so maybe Mike, I hate to go back to furniture because this is a woodworking podcast, but. If a piece of furniture you're making doesn't go well, do you ever blame your tools or do you do you blame your skills? I, say, I, I blame my skills. I usually it's like well, usually it's I I either overmeasure, undermeasure a lot of things, and then you go to fit a piece and it's like oh, why isn't this working? It's too short. So you know, it's it's usually. Do you ever blame your my my measuring so do you tape? Blame, <laughs> do you blame your tape no, measure? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. But do you blame your do you blame your skills because you have high end tools? You know it can't be your tools. No, no, I wouldn't say that. Like, like what I see a lot in woodworking, or you see a lot, like you guys are saying, is that there's there's a gadget for this and there's a gadget for that. Like, there, like you got your simple like thing, so you got like your hand plane, but then you can add fences and you can get like ninety different blades for it and all these crazy things, and and you don't need that stuff. Like, like it, I think it's about keeping it simple. Like the whole less is more, and so it, you're never blaming your like if you had Canadian tire quality and I hate to bash a store, but they tend to carry low-end tools. If you had Canadian Tire hand plane and it, it, it just wasn't working, you would not. You would continue to blame your skill set. Like You obviously need that's, some level that's of tools. Can I can say this because that's an extreme example. I definitely think you'd be able to point at them a bit. But I, I think I think it would change because I, I think – it, it would it you you get to the point like I think there's there's like kind of like a certain level you need to have of of quality of equipment because like at that point it, it wouldn't I I just be frustrated like like I think like there, there's a point of like of just not wanting to deal with the problems and there's a point of being just frustrated like so so in terms of equipment costs there is there's an uh, 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 a certain there's level a point of spending where that has cheap. to happen yeah. Okay, I would agree with that. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoy mountain biking. Boy, I'm mentioning a lot of hobbies. <laughs> I seem to have more hobbies than I know what to do with. But mountain biking. So if I took a, again, I'll, I'll bash the store, Canadian Tire mountain bike on the trails. And the only reason I mention that is when you're mountain biking, uh, the lighter the bike, the easier it is to pedal up a hill. 
So if I took a, a Canadian Tire mountain bike, which it generally takes two people to put on a bike rack because they're so heavy, on the trails, I, I would not enjoy that. I might get a lot more exercise, but uh, the distance at which I could ride would be greatly reduced. Where if, if I had a, a really lightweight mountain bike, I could ride further and faster and maybe enjoy myself more. But n- Would yeah, you guys agree? Uh, but if you were to say as well that like, oh, I need a hydration pack and I need these special gloves and these special biking pedals and all that stuff, I would say then at that point, you're like, that's going above and beyond like the minimum. Okay. I, I agree with you. So once you have the base, your, your base, you know, quality equipment investment in, don't, don't get caught up in all the gadgets and accessories. But at, the, but at the same time, if you do have a heavier bike, I think maybe that means you have to take a shorter trail and you have to be proud of your accomplishments because you're heavy bikes. So maybe it's not making excuses, but just the realistic realizations. Yeah, you, you, I guess you could look at it like that it, without this heavy Canadian terror bike, you wouldn't be riding at all. So it, it's a step in the right that, direction. That's, that's, yeah. that's a good point. Like I know um, for me, I, I go biking with a couple of friends and they last summer they, they bought new bikes and I, I'm riding this this old bike that I kind of just fixed up and stuff and I'm making it up hills that they can't. And I, I know it's a kind of a good feeling when, when I'm doing that. So that... And, and, don't for, and don't forget, Mike, it's also a single speed too. That's true. That's true as well. Yeah, they're riding multi-speed. I think you need to, it's a different mindset to take um, uh, pride in in doing something with less. So somebody might, you might say, you know, I rode from here to here and no, people would not be impressed by that at all if you leave out the piece that it, it's a single speed bike that I did it on. You know, so you you can't, you have to be taking sort of pride in your accomplishments. Just your, you have to be doing it for yourself, not to impress other people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Otherwise you'll get lost in, in buying equipment and accessories and, and until you're, you've, you've spent a ton of money. That's, oh, that's exactly. a good point. You can always make excuses. So I do want to move on. The next point kind of on my list here is frequencies, frequency in which you do, can do a hobby. So, it's kind of more of a classification of what counts as a hobby. I mean, so we have, if you only do it on the weekends or, or kind of any time, or if, so that's a number point, number one. Point number two is if it's location dependent. And number three, can it be done with, with or without your friends or family? So would you say that a hobby you, you kind of do maybe sometimes or anytime or just maybe just on the weekends, just kind of specific times, like it's not an everyday thing. Does that count as a hobby? Well, I'd like to hit on number three first. So, a lot of people would say, you know, I can't do hobbies. I, I have a young family. You know, I'm too busy being a parent to, to have hobbies. What I did was I made that the things I was interested in, it, it involved my family and my kids. And I go back, I used to golf. And when you have three-year-old kids, golfing is, is a real struggle to do. So I gave up golfing and uh, I, I started doing, you know, bike riding and, and hiking with my kids and then and watching my kids play sports, like my kids became my hobby. So I, I think if if having a young family is getting in the way of your hobbies, you need to refocus and, and incorporate your young family into your interests. No, that's a really valid point. What about you, Mike? Do you think do you think a hobby can or can or can't be done without your family? Well, first of all, I'm disappointed that Trevor didn't use his kids as uh, his personal caddies. Um, <laughs> that's I never thought of that. But that's you how might, you incorporate them. Yeah. As, soon as, old, as, as soon as they're old enough to carry a golf bag, instant 
uh, <laughs> Trevor, where was I was slow on my feet that day. But um, no, I think you can. I, I think you definitely can. Like even with friends and stuff. Like I know um, uh, canoeing. I I now do an annual trip with my friends, and it's a way that I was able to keep doing that with enjoying with uh my friends. And I think as well that you're gonna have your individual hobbies, but you should be able to find some group ones, some common ones, like. No, I, yeah. I know where you're going with it. You're say, you're saying if you know all your friends enjoy playing uh, hockey, then then maybe you should get interested in hockey too. You might enjoy it, and, and you could. It's more time to spend with your friends. So so I, I would actually agree that, with that that happened with volleyball. All when I was uh, when I was in school, all my friends liked to play volleyball, and I never played before. But we I I joined an intramural league with them, so I could be on a team of ten of my with ten of my friends. But like even I think even. You can get to like figure out something that maybe even none of your friends have done before. For for example, like I'll go back to the book club. If you know you're all into reading a certain type of book or whatever, and you might have never done it before, no, you guys have never done it before, but then you all pick a book and you start doing book clubs together or something. I, this is something I've never done with my friends. That's just an example of. Uh, no, I, I agree, and you might you might get exposed to something you wouldn't otherwise have been exposed to, and turn out you like it. Back to the other th- things you mentioned, Courtney. You know the frequent. So going to the frequency you can do it. Location dependent hobbies are sometimes a super hard challenge to do. You know, I happen to live ten minutes away from awesome mountain biking trails, but if you live in downtown Toronto, real you know challenging mountain bike trails might be a, an hour's drive away. For, for all I know, like. And so the frequency at which you could do that is greatly reduced. And so what I find with those kind of hobbies is you find you're always yearning to do it and, and there's always something in your way. Like it's it's too big of an obstacle to, to have to drive an hour to go do your hobby sometimes. So you end up only doing it like once a month or, you know, three or four times a year. And then the bigger thing with that is you start feeling guilty that you're not doing your hobby more often. Because you got so much money invested in the equipment. <laughs> like if you had a thousand dollar mountain bike sitting in your garage that you never got to go to the trails on it would it would seem crazy to have all that money typing a bike you never get to ride so it's that that's an example of location you know pick a hobby that the location is accessible the last one is is kind of, and i guess it ties into the location dependent but the kind of frequency at which i mean michael it sounds like you only kind of get to go camping or canoeing less frequently than maybe you read or or you play hockey yeah, and actually, it's kind of a, I guess, like a, like a, a question is how how frequent does a hobby like something have to be to to be a hobby? In some ways, I I often don't consider myself like uh, a hobby. I don't consider canoeing as a hobby of mine because you do it so yeah, yeah like I I do it once a year. It's like a yeah, passing it's like, interest. Like people who go down to Florida once a year, they don't say that. Oh, my hobby is going down to Florida. So sometimes I I wonder if if it is is even a hobby. I think it is a hobby in that it it requires a, a special set of skills and, and and problem solving that you enjoy, but I think something like canoeing, if you if you did it every weekend, it kind of would take away the specialness of of being out in in nature and maybe those one of the, one of those things that less is more, you know that you you appreciate it even more when you do get that's, it that's so, true like anyone can jump on a plane and go down to florida but not everyone can get in a canoe and go into the interior of algonquin park yeah so it's a, a real special skill set and i mean if you don't know what you're doing you could you could actually die out there so it's i i, I would say it qualifies as a hobby even though you maybe only do it three or two or three or four times a year so 
let's uh let's let's kind of wrap up the end of the show with kind of talking about the benefits of hobbies and kind of maybe the problems with hobbies as well so i'll run through kind of the benefits that i've put together and i want your want your feedback on these so the the benefits that i've kind of thought of were um add purpose to your life outside of work that's number one number two is improve your health and number three is develop a sense of community so which means being around like-minded people yeah so anytime i i've been in a when i've sort of been without a hobby you know i i've sort of lost interest in one and i haven't started another I, I, all I, f- I feel like I'm just going to work and coming home, going to work and coming home. I, 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 I need a creative outlet to survive. You know, that, that for me, that I need that. And without it, I, I just kind of feel like I'm just drifting. So if, I, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever been there or maybe you've always had a hobby. Yeah, to second that, like I know um, a lot of nights after like I come home from work, I, I don't really feel like doing much. Like I just want to watch Netflix. But the, the nights I do get myself down to the workshop, uh, at first I feel like I'm just kind of pushing myself down there. But when I, when, once I start going at it, it's actually, uh, it's very therapeutic and it's, it's a way more enjoyable night. I feel way better the next day when I do do that. <laughs> you know, just hearing you say Netflix, that's almost becoming a, a, a slanderous term for people, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. What do you do? You just watch Netflix all the time? I can't count the people that they just, it's almost a replacement for waste of time. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I, I watch Netflix too, but people, so what'd you do? What'd you do on the weekend? Oh, I just watch Netflix or, you know, what'd you do last night? Oh, I just watch Netflix. And it's almost like it's becoming a, a replacement word for, uh, I just did nothing. Right? Yeah, I just yeah. wasted the, the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it used to be, I watched TV, right? But now I watch it's, Netflix. it's Netflix. Well, people, people yeah. look at it and, They'll, they'll call TVs, the, like, like not now, but in the future, people are going to call TVs the Netflix device. Like, Yeah, but that, that is how you describe the, the extent at which you wasted your time. Yes. You can you can I add on to that saying, I binge watched. Yes. No, no, I binge watched something on Netflix. You know, <laughs> it gets worse. If people don't want to understand just how much time I wasted on the weekend, I'll, I'll add that out to the end. So <laughs> it, it's funny. Uh, everyone I talk to, like that is... so. I know I'm going to visit my parents today and I, I said, I said, um, I'm going to help them with something with their computer. And, uh, I said, do you have anything going on on uh, Sunday? She goes, no, we'll just be watching Netflix. So every generation, yeah, they, they, that is, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. It's interesting. <laughs> um, so, I mean, let's move on to the problems with hobbies. So, I mean, if Netflix is one of yours, no, um, <laughs> So they can be too easy or difficult. It can be too easy or difficult to justify hobby-related expenses. Number two is a constant struggle to find time to do your hobby. Netflix has got to squeeze that in there. Number three does not align with your long-term goals. So I think because this is simple money solutions and we we try to bring money into it, I think the the trying justifying there's one or two problems people have, and it's either you, you can you too easily justify how much you're going to spend on a hobby, meaning it's effortless to justify, I need this, I need this, and I need this. Or you, you mathematically can't make, you know, uh, you can't ration why you need to buy this Bec- because hobbies, I'll say, they don't generate income. So y- you have trouble justifying the expense, right? If, if, it, if it brought in money, you could do the math and say, well, I can afford this because this hobby makes me this much money. But in my mind, hobbies don't make money. So my problem has been, I, I find it too easy to justify expenses with hobbies i don't know about you guys but I, th- that's been my weakness 
and I'll, I'll go on to the second one is a constant struggle to find time to do your hobby. If if you can't find time to do a hobby, one of the, one of two problems exist. Either you you don't enjoy the hobby as much as you you thought you did. Otherwise, you'd carve out time and you know you'd stop watching Netflix, or it literally it does not fit in your current lifestyle. So it, it's so if you're struggling to find time to do the hobby, you might want to consider abandoning it because it's not aligning with something but in your life. But is that not a hard thing to do? Because like you said, you invested all that money into it. It's, it. it's a hard, like, it's almost like you're throwing away money. Like, it's kind of a hard thing to just say, oh, I'll get rid of that hobby. Well, let's use your example well, of golf clubs. Well, I think then you have to go back to, you need to change how you justify spending money on hobbies. If, if you end up in that scenario too often, where you've got this all this equipment you've invested in and you can't find the time to do the hobby, that means you you didn't scrutinize the 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 spending of on that equipment enough, right? You you that um that control is too weak in, in your in your mindset. Like No, I'd have to agree with that. It it means that you kind of maybe didn't think it through enough or, or you didn't kind of give enough consideration. So I, I want to wrap up the show by kind of going through five solutions um, because we are Simple Money Solutions. So we have five solutions for you to kind of wrap up everything we've talked about during the show. So number one is narrow your scope 10 feet deep rather than 10 feet wide. Yeah, this is my mantra and, and I, I just, I don't practice it often enough, but it really can save you a ton of money. Mike's furniture making one, he, he's gone 10 feet deep from two angles. One is hand tools and the second one is just a particular era of furniture. I mean, he, I know from talking to him, he is so immersed in that aspect of it that he, he'll know more about that than I, than I ever will. Like, Number two is keep it simple. Just like that we say at the end of every episode, your hobby should be simple, straightforward, and, 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 really, and really sustainable. Um, number three is become resourceful. So challenge yourself to do more with less. And this goes along with Mike. What Mike was saying about really, really work with what you have and make it enjoyable based on what you have. Well, and Mike, you do a lot of canoeing and backpacking. I, I got to think that particular hobby requires a ton of resourcefulness. Oh yeah, like uh, I mean, while you're out there, you're only taking what you can carry on your back or put in your canoe. And uh, there's a lot of like you got to make do with what you have and. But you you enjoy solving those problems of being resourceful. In oh the yeah, yeah, like right? definitely. That's... Actually, the the last trip I went on, it was a really really rainy weekend, and it was it was actually a lot of fun. It was a we couldn't obviously all of the firewood's wet, but it was a challenge to get it to start the fire, and we we actually successfully did it two nights in a row with uh, it pouring rain. So that was kind of fun. But there's no shortage of people who you take them out in the wilderness and they're pouring rain, and they don't ins- they don't enjoy solving that problem. You know what I mean? There's more people that don't, right? That, I had five other people with me that didn't. <laughs> I had, <laughs> didn't, I had to didn't convince like them that, that problem. it was a fun problem to solve. So that, that's a great example. So I, I think if you don't enjoy those problems, don't put yourself in that position. But yeah, that's, that's a perfect example. Number four is make it fun. If you have seriousness, that seriousness will, will add stress. And, and I think, I want to just say, so if you, if you, take something you enjoy and just say Mike was doing, a, he was a tour guide out in Algonquin Park taking people on canoe trips and he was getting paid for it and it started to rain and he couldn't get a fire started. 
that would be stressful, right? If those people said, you know, where's my fire? Well, yeah, because yeah, at that point in time, you're getting paid for that. Like, you, that's a paid hobby at that point. So there's there's expectations on you to meet certain things. And, and I think that would add stress, yeah. right? To any situation when there's expectations. And the last solution here is look for overlap. One hobby can definitely feed into another. So on, on this one... Again, this is a woodworking podcast, <laughs> but I'm going to go re- to We should rename it to Simple uh, Woodworking Solutions. But but uh, a lot of times you can take uh, woodworking and and you could be making furniture and doing home renovations. Like, I mean, that, that there's some overlap there. So those two hobbies could overarchingly solve the same problems or similar problems. So I think that brings us to the end of today's episode on hobbies. We want to hear from you, though. Leave us a, a comment on, uh, on our website. Just go to livelifesimple.ca. Um, so we have a contact submission form. Let us know what your hobbies are and, and, and what, what kind of, and how you maybe maximized or minimized, sorry, minimize the cost on those hobbies and, and, and how you've made it kind of very sustainable and affordable. I think that'd be really interesting to hear. And we'll, we'll talk about them in the next episode. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for tuning in this week. Uh, Mike and Trev, thanks for being here. And we, uh, we look forward to having you guys all back here next, uh, next week with a new episode. Until then, keep it simple.